In a world where people like to watch movies, one group of friends will go on an epic journey to watch these movies. It's the Flick Fiends Podcast with Uncle Joe, Big Joe, and Jared. Now it's time to listen to the Fiends. They're killing your childhood, one movie at a time. Why do they keep doing this? Find out next time on Flick Feeds. <laughs> so I assume you're referring to Disney when you say that. That is the very brief description that I was sent about this episode that we were going to discuss live action Disney movies. And I gotta say, I don't have very much to contribute. And specifically, live-action Disney remakes. I don't really have a lot to contribute, because I have not found it in myself to go see any of these. Really? Not even the ones from the 90s? 101 Dalmatians? That's the only one I can think of. That's uh, that's one of the first ones, so that's actually a pretty good place to start. Go I think I saw list. that at a friend's house when I was like 12. So not recently. No. <laughs> Interesting casting choices, though. You got Glenn Close as the crazy rich woman. So that's yeah, I do pretty spot on casting. I can't fault any of the casts that I've read about for these. But you've intrigued me now. So I thought that... 101 Dalmatians was the only one that they did. So what are some of the other ones from the 90s? Well, I actually did not know this was a Disney movie for a long time, but they had a version of The Jungle Book that came out a couple of years before 101 Dalmatians that featured uh, a grown Mowgli. Huh. I've literally never heard of this ever. I have seen that movie. It's not terrible. It's definitely a different take on it from the usual, because it skips most of his childhood life. Is this like Hook or something? Kind of a different retelling? Yeah, kind of in a way, yeah. I'd say it has a lot of Tarzan or something in it, because, you know, there are people, they find him in the jungle, they bring him to the city, and it doesn't go well. He ends up coming back to the jungle. It's called The Jungle Book, at least 1994. I'd never heard of that. Wow. And I guess I I have to retract my statement about not seeing any of the remakes because I did see the one that they did with all the CG animals that came out. The one where the one where uh to bridge the gap between this episode and another one that that we recorded, the one with Christopher Walken as uh King Louie. We'll, uh, we'll definitely be coming back to that one. So, tell me more of the secret knowledge that I never knew. Are there any more 90s remakes or, or addendums? Well, there was one that came out in 2000. There aren't a whole lot until we get to the newer ones, actually. But uh, Okay. The first one I would label as a cash grab is actually the one that came out in 2000. 102 Dalmatians. <laughs> that was a movie that we didn't need. <laughs> that is one Dalmatian too many. <laughs> they are absolute mad lads for coming up with that. Did we really need 102 Dalmatians? No. How do we, we top didn't. 101 Dalmatians? We'll add one more. One too many. You be a responsible pet owner and you don't contribute to puppy mills. 102 Dalmatians. Instant bestseller. Have you seen 102 Dalmatians? I am sad to say that I have, and it was... That's why I say it's a cash grab, because it was terrible writing. Basically, Glenn Close's uh, character comes back as Cruella. She's been in therapy since the last movie ended, and she gets out on parole. And the judge orders that if she violates her parole and hurts any more puppies, then all of her fortune will go to the puppies. What? <laughs> yes, that is a real thing from the movie, which which isn't anything 
that would happen in real life because law doesn't work not that to way. animal rescue causes but to the dogs that's right to the dogs and then they pee on it the end <laughs> i i've I am reduced to worthlessness. <laughs> if you're wondering, obviously because she's still a villain, the dogs get the money. <laughs> I'm glad that she did you. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> I don't know that I don't know that I can continue. <laughs> I'm sorry, Uncle Joe. You're gonna have a hard time cutting this one. I, I think most of these are the most entertaining, so we're gonna leave most of this. I don't oh, know if I can man. regain my composure from that one. It's kind of funny because when you think about it, if you split all that money between a hundred and two dogs, it's <laughs> really not that much. <laughs> I can't even finish that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, and no. nothing of substance was gained. Damn. <laughs> oh, now our. Now our dog Dottie is a thousandaire. Oh, a cool ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so obviously, you can tell the quality of this movie, and it wasn't. It did so badly, I guess, that we didn't get any more live-action remakes until 2010. It stunned them into quiescence. And 2010 is when we got Alice in Wonderland by Tim Burton, which was a fantastic movie. If you have not seen that, Joe, you need to go I, see I it. I did see it. I did see it. It was. I didn't... Well, that's another live-action remake you've seen. I, I forgot yeah, that I, was a Disney movie. We're just We're just on a roller coaster. I've been reduced to incoherence, and now I don't have words again. I can't believe I forgot. Yeah, I kind of like that one. That's when Tim Burton was still... It's a Tim Burton movie that's not ponderous. I mean, that's kind of when Johnny Depp was really riding his uh, Pirates of the Caribbean high, too. So he was still yeah, doing was really well. Yeah, before his little fall from Grace. In that, it was before the drinking started, or what, it, or however that happened. He just made a lot of bad film choices, pretty much. Uh, he made a lot of bad choices in general, but that is not the purview of this podcast. This one and the film that, not the sequel to this, but the next film down the line that we're going to talk about, they actually did a good job of putting a new angle on it and making it different from what came before which is one of the things i think makes it more enjoyable it's not a complete rehash well similar to the one you mentioned earlier alice in wonderland the live action one is actually a return to wonderland because it's it's alice right before her engagement i think i think they mix both of them a little bit okay yeah i want to say it was that there's Alice in Wonderland and Alice Through the Looking Glass that are from the original author, but I have not read Through the Looking Glass, to my knowledge. Not that Disney is bound by that anyway. Never read it. I mean, it's a children's story. It's a good cultural identifier, if nothing else, because that was probably, that was around the same time that you had all this Victorian literature about how to instruct children to, you know, to groom them properly for, uh, for behaviors, yes, for, for behavior, for behaviors. And Alice in Wonderland is patently absurd in some places. I think on this podcast, we will usually encourage you to go read the original material. And I would encourage that as well. Plus, it's in the public domain, so you can find it for free. 
and I think they actually followed the the books a little bit more rather than the animated Disney version for the live action as well. They also introduced some stuff. Well, now you got me talking about it. I remember a lot about it. They introduced things from the works of Lewis Carroll, but not necessarily from Alice in Wonderland, like the Jabberwock. Kalu Kalei, oh, frabulous day. And fantastic cast all around. Yeah. Giant Death. Helena Bottom Carter. They've always been a dream team. Oh, Anne Hathaway. Uh, I, was like, I was like, White Queen, Catwoman. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Dr. Brandt from Interstellar. Like, woman whose name I can't remember. Uh, yeah. 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 Good cast. Good cast. Hit me again, man. What's what's the next one that they did? 2014, we had Maleficent, which I was really hyped for before that came out. They sold that movie and the trailers as just her as Maleficent being a villain. And that's what got me really pumped. I was really excited to see a movie that was just from the purview of an unapologetic villain. And they kind of disappointed me big time on that. They still get major points for making something different and putting a new um, spin on an old story. Spin on an old story. I remember I, I personally, I really, really liked the visuals in that movie. They did a great job with that. And the mm-hmm. spells yeah. and everything. I think Angelina Jolie was a pretty good casting choice. Yeah, she did a great job. Okay, well, I obviously need to watch that one. So you, just to clarify, you were thinking that it would be a villain protagonist rather than just a sympathetic villain. I thought it would be a story told from the view of a villain that didn't get a redemption story. And that's my biggest disappointment is that they gave her a redemption story that her character really didn't need, in my opinion. Uh, Didn't need and didn't really deserve based on the original material from the original Sleeping Beauty. She is pure evil. Yeah. And I I get why Disney wouldn't want to go that route. They took the route of the much safer bet, but I feel like if they had taken the risk, they probably would have gotten more reward out of it. Maybe, but there's also the phenomenon where people kind of identify with Disney villains now and they want to want to have like a sympathetic story for them, like uh, Ursula from The Little Mermaid. I, I am against that. I am very much against that. Yeah, it's not an issue, but the trend I see is that it applies mainly to female villains. Well, I mean, you can you can argue they did the same thing to Thanos in uh, in Avengers as well, though. Yeah, but that really is a villain protagonist setup. He's not redeemed. He just he wins. He's much closer to what you were looking for in this and I don't want to stray too much into into that but I think they got so close to that with uh, Thanos just because they had all that time to build him up so maybe they could pull something like this off with one of their older you know classic animation era characters if they did like a three movie or two movie build up that would be an interesting concept to see uh See come to life. To sort of return to my other point, I'll just spell it out. You see this a good bit with characters that can be considered as potentially stand-ins or representations of a underrepresentative minority. You know, Ursula sometimes gets called out as like a drag queen because of how she appears in her makeup or Maleficent is potentially a LBGT representation. I've never heard that. I've never heard of that. That is going way deep into fandom theories. Okay. Yeah. That's probably why I heard of that. I think that's where some of this drive comes from. 
Now, having said that, there is also the money aspect. If you can make money off of your old properties, then that means that you don't have to license anything new. All you have to do is pay for. Oh, yeah. You're pulling from the well. You can just go just like it's already there. It's already established. You can just pull that and be done with it. I mean, that's really what all these uh, live action movies are probably what a majority. I mean, when you get boil it all down, that's probably what a lot of them are all about. Going back to the redemption story, there's actually a sequel to this Maleficent film coming out this year. And I yeah. it boggles my mind how they're going to pull that off because they call her the mistress of evil in the sequel. So <laughs> I, I don't get it. Why didn't they just leave her evil for the first one? You made a sympathetic villain and now you have to upset their uh, sympathetic status. And then they'll make a third one where she redeems herself again. Please And no. the cycle continues. <laughs> What's the next one that they put out? The following year we had Cinderella. And yeah, I Cinderella actually liked that. Yeah, I actually uh, was surprised by that. I liked it a bit more than I thought that I would. A lot of that comes down to costuming and special effects so those were top notch yeah i remember a lot was made about the dress got a lot of press i still see that dress at every single costume contest and it always wins some category uh, i mean why not i mean that just goes to show how much work they put into making that though quality of the product that is sort of akin you know as far as like dresses on the Disney princesses go that is right up there with like Belle's dress from Beauty and the Beast from the animated version that's super iconic I'm actually kind of expecting to get the same thing uh from the Aladdin movie though in, in terms of the quality of uh costume reproductions at Comic-Cons okay you think that those costumes are easily redone by uh people of sufficient skill well, I wouldn't say easily redone, but I think if they have the skill to redo them properly, they're going to win whatever contest you put them in because they they look amazing. I see. No, you've hit upon an important point. You can have all the skill in the world, but if you're recreating an ugly thing, it's just going to look ugly. Cinderella it was actually a movie where they could have used a redemption story as opposed to Maleficent as well. The movie kind of starts off with her father still being, Cinderella's father still being alive. And um, then, you know, he gets remarried and he goes off on a journey and that's when he dies. But before he leaves, the stepmother kind of overhears a conversation with Cinderella and kind of misinterprets what he's saying to her. And that's the reason she's so terrible towards her and encourages her daughters to be so terrible towards her as well and it becomes a point much later towards the end of the film where she kind of reveals that to her and instead of trying to explain it as a uh, misunderstanding or something she just doesn't say anything about it she lets it go it would have been nice to see her actually repair that uh, relationship well I guess I could offer you a counterpoint in that uh, evil stepmother is always evil. I agree with you, but in the way it was written, the script actually called for it as it was written, as opposed to Maleficent, where it wasn't called for at all. I guess I see your point. Like, there was an out there. There was a way towards resolution. And uh, that was the last one prior to the Jungle Book. Well, well wait a minute. What about... Uh... Beauty and the Beast. That didn't come out till 2017. I'm going in order here. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about The Jungle Book. I enjoyed this one. Some of the CG was very good looking. The cast is really the shining jewel out of this one. Bill Murray as a bear? I, I didn't care for that particular casting choice. It, it was too much Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> what 
Can you explain that a little bit? I'm saying instead of having the character of Baloo, we had Bill Murray, period. <laughs> I can oh. see that. It was an overextended cameo of him as himself. Oh, so they basically did the thing where, like, voice actors do, like, when they cast, like, Ellen DeGeneres or something, or, like, Will Smith, and he's, like, in a, you know, oh, I'm a... I'm a fish who's also Will Smith. Like, I'm a clam. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Bill Murray. I'm a bear. And he didn't bring anything. He just kind of, he was just Bill Murray, basically, as a bear. And that's it. And that's all we got. Correct? That, that is correct from my point of view. I guess I can see Uncle Joe's point. It's only acceptable to do that with certain people like, oh, I don't know, Alan Rickman. Or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger is pretty much always going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, certain actors do that kind of thing. I mean, it's like their bread and butter. So, I mean, I, I get why, and they're entertaining in that role. But, like, sometimes it's just way overdone. You can tell that they just sort of phone it in. They don't really bring anything. It's just like Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson is always going to be Samuel L. Jackson, pretty much. So, like, if you cast him in a role and you go, like, okay, don't be Samuel L. Jackson. Be this other thing. I mean, you can do it. Yeah, and he's he's good enough at this point. You better have the writing to support it. Right. You better have, like, a hell of a one-two punch in there or something. You know, some kind of something. Or it's just going to be, like, Samuel L. Jackson being Samuel L. Jackson as a giraffe. I guess let's qualify that. Samuel L. Jackson in an action movie. You'd better have some killer writing for for that to be anything other than he's either a victim that fights back or he's he's a one-man army. Pretty much. Yeah, that's what I would say. Those are your two choices. He's not going to play bystander number four. God, no. And that was probably one of the biggest problems with uh, the Phantom Menace. But we're getting off topic. Let's get <laughs> let's get it back on. Let's get back uh, on track. Lobbing nukes there. Yeah, we also had Idris Elba in there. Christopher Walken, as you pointed out earlier. I actually really like Christopher Walken in that film, and I'm sure I've told you this before, but. When Mowgli first gets dropped in there before you see King Louis, he's digging through the, the piles of stuff and he pulls out a cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. I just thought that was a really great reference. Well, far more kid safe than pulling out a smoking jacket or a bottle of champagne, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the cowbell skit you could show your kids. The the continental not so much. Yeah. <laughs> Billy, just remember if you emulate this character, you will go to jail <laughs> several times over. Unless you work in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, then it take then it takes twenty years to fire you. And a scandal or two or five. Okay, so also that same year we had Alice through the looking glass. It was abysmal the end. <laughs> All right, let's move on. All right. It was not directed by Tim Burton. And uh, it was just bad. Well, I never saw it, so I guess I'll have to take your word for it. Yeah, me neither. You have that movie. I know you have it. Oh, that's right. I do. I sure do. I've never seen it. these days, you're going to get bored enough. And you're like, I wonder if it's really that bad. And you're going to watch it. And you're going to be like, why did I watch this? <laughs> and my eyeballs will melt. Since we're going to make a drinking game out of all these movies, we may as well do that one at some point. Okay. We'll add it to the list. Yeah. Moving on from that, uh, we have Beauty and the Beast next, 2017. Was it 2017? It was 2017. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago. I know. I know. Man, I'm getting old. To me, it feels like it was further back in time than that. No, it 
He was in the last couple of years. 2018, maybe like end of 2018 to me. If you'd have asked me where that fell in the timeline, I would have told you 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have completely gotten the timeline wrong on that. But uh, anyway, Beauty and the Beast, it was it was okay, but it was a carbon copy of the animated one shot for shot almost. And that's a bad thing. It didn't really bring anything new to the table. No, not only that, but it doesn't hold up to the animated one. So when there's nothing new and you're comparing it shot for shot, the animated one is obviously better. So you're making a movie of lower quality with a higher production value. Um, the casting choices are pretty good. I thought uh, Emma Watson was a pretty good Belle. The guy who played Gaston was pretty good. So was every last inch of him covered with hair? No. Damn. Do what? That's part of the song from the movie that he sings. Oh. And every last inch of his covered with hair. <laughs> He's what, 12 dozen eggs every morning? Yes. I guess I shouldn't be surprised because nobody eats like Gaston. Wasn't there some big controversy about, like, they changed the character or something? They made one of the characters characters gay. gay. Yeah. What was his little sidekick's name? The little guy, yeah. Le Pew or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, they made him gay. It wasn't necessarily a big deal in this movie, and they only mention it maybe two times. So it wasn't really a big deal at all, then? No. But it it was a big deal for Disney, I guess you could say, because they don't have a habit of doing that very much until recently. I mean, I, I can see that. I mean, if you're going to change something, that seems like, you know, if you wanted something to mix up the plot a little bit, that could, like, you know, what if Gaston wasn't going to be super douche and go and try to kill the beast, but, you know, and there was some, there was some jealousy plot in there. Or maybe... Gaston is a super douche and Hugh tries to stop him because he secretly loves him and doesn't want him to go down the path of darkness. Yeah, it might give a little bit of characterization. If like if you were gonna change something, that's probably the way that I'd do it. Like something like kind of you know, hey, it gives a little bit of subtext and some you know it's nothing like earth shattering or anything, but it's gonna you know, it's nice, I guess. And to clarify, if you want to give your character a bit of characterization as to what their, you know, sexual orientation is, and then just leave it there, it doesn't necessarily need a plot point to justify it, but it is something that you've done to change the world or to add a detail to the world that then doesn't get a payoff. It's good for verisimilitude, but... It's after-the-fact yeah, details. True. I'll, I'll put it that way. If they didn't show that that change or that detail had any effect on the story, then that's an after-the-fact detail. Well, then you could just argue, like, why even have it there? But that's a whole other can of fish. We seem to like doing that here. We come to the brink of a whole other discussion. Yeah, and then we stop. Then we pull away. <laughs> pull up! Get off that precipice. We even want more. That's right. (laughs) We don't want any of it. (laughs) That one actually leaked online like a month after it had been out in theaters for less. Yeah, that was like a big thing at the time. Huh. Somebody leaked it online. You can get it just about anywhere. What happened? While it was in theaters, like a high quality DVD rip. Oh, okay. Wow. This isn't like just some dude with a camcorder. Not some dude with a shaky cam in a in a dark room. It was like... 1080p uh, or something. Like it was ripped straight wow. from the yeah finished product. To have a sidebar on that and just a discussion of that will take five minutes, I promise. When you see something like that, what may have happened is that 
um, if you are part of the uh, academy of, if you're part of the academy, if you're a the MPAA or whatever, no, the Screen Actors Guild. Oh, if you're part of the Screen Actors Guild, when time comes around for Oscars to be considered, there are discs that are passed around called screeners, and they are essentially like what you said, Uncle Joe, they are the finished product. They are the theatrical release of the movie. And basically, if you are, I think you can request those if you are a Screen Actors Guild member and you're, I I think you can request them. I think that's how that works. And, you know, if you, are a dues-paying member of the Screen Actors Guild that covers quite a few people. So, so basically, somebody from the SAG could have leaked it, could have acquired a copy, acquired a screener, and then leaked it, or so. lost a copy. Let's make that clear. In some form or fashion, a copy was made of that screener, and that's how the high-quality rip got released so soon after the theatrical release because they essentially had the theatrical release on a high quality physical media that could be ripped. I see. That's one way that it could have happened. So any others moving on? Christopher Robin came out 2018. I know you've seen that one, Jared. Oh yeah. I loved it. That was, that was a, great, a movie. great movie. Great, great movie. Loved it. I like just about anything with Ewan McGregor in it. I still need to see that one. I had held off on it because I have, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know why I held off on it. I just, I just didn't go see it. It's a worthy one to visit. It is. It, it definitely captures the spirit of uh, Winnie the Pooh, I felt. They did a great job. I like that when they find their way into the regular world, they're just real. Yeah, that was that was probably one of my favorite parts. It's done in a good way, too. They're not, like, CG'd in a cartoony way or anything. They look like real stuffed yep. animals. And uh, all the effects were just uh, really well done in that movie. Yeah, and the the end of the movie has a really good message, too, that I really enjoyed. So that one came out. So what do we have on the on the to be released list? Well, we got two more we got two more to go to before we get to that. Oh, okay. Uh, we got Dumbo that came out a few months back. Another Tim Burton movie. It's it wasn't as good as his Alice in Wonderland in my opinion, but uh if you go back and watch the animated Dumbo, there's not a lot to work with in the first place. So they had to invent a lot of story for this live action movie. For better or for worse? Mostly for better, I think. Obviously, they had to do away with the talking animals. There's no... Well, let's let's talk about the animated Dumbo real quick. It starts off with him being delivered by Stork to his mother. And <laughs> shortly after that, He's being teased by a kid, so his mother slaps the kid around a little bit, and she gets locked away, and then the rest of the movie is just them figuring out how to get back to his mother. And the whole movie, I think, is just under an hour. Yeah, it's not long. So it's one of the shorter ones. The only thing I literally remember about that movie is Casey Jr., the train Yes, and uh, they actually, I was surprised, they reproduced that train in live action really well. Really? It was spot on, yeah. Okay, that's cool. I was really surprised by that. I thought that was pretty that's, cool. I don't know why I remembered that. because I think I was like, because I was into trains at the time when I was like watching it, but like it just kind of stuck out to me, and I always liked that whole, whole song, you know. Casey Jr.'s back, cakes and cracker jack, you know. All that. I liked it. So where the animated movie ends, that's probably about 30 minutes into Dumbo, maybe, in the live oh, action. Okay. 
they uh, there are a lot of human characters, and that's where most of your story comes from because no talking animal. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you got Danny DeVito is the ringmaster, and you've got uh, as the antagonist, you've got no oh, Michael Keaton. Yeah, Michael Keaton is the villain in this one. Oh. So you've got the Penguin and Batman together again, playing the opposite side as each other. <laughs> Being directed by Being Tim directed Burton. by Tim Burton, too. So is the ringmaster banging any who was in the background? No, and <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed there was no rum hand. Aww. <laughs> because if there was ever anything that was synonymous with Danny DeVito, it's rum hand. I don't know. I think they could have, to go way back in his film and television career, you could have had him uh, call a taxi and then it not show up for a while. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, so now we're at the newest Aladdin, which, which just came out. And I have a lot to say about that. I haven't seen it yet, and I'm going to because it's one of my favorite Disney movies. You know what? I mostly really enjoyed this one. This one, uh, it managed to pull some magic out. Really? Yeah. So the first thing that I have to say is that no one will ever be able to top Robin Williams' performance in his role as the genie. Oh, God, no. I don't care how many times you remake the story. It's just never going to happen. The bar is too high. Yeah. That said, a lot of people seem to be criticizing will smith for the genie and i actually liked him in this role for all the criticism i haven't heard anyone suggest someone else that could have played it one of the things i think i like about him in this movie is that he has a bit of a fresh prince vibe going that i'm really digging and it's been a long time since he's played a role with that kind of you know carefree kind of jokester attitude i think the last one i remember was the first men in black yeah it's like He's been a dramatic actor for a yeah, long time. Yeah, he's been a straight-up action star for a good while. The soundtrack for this movie is absolutely phenomenal. I, w- I would say it even saved some of the earlier songs that I didn't care for. Fantastic soundtrack. How are the visuals, you think? Uh, I mean, as good as any other Disney high-quality production. So... I'm going to go off on a small tangent here. I kind of get tired of talking about visuals because pretty much every movie these days has fantastic visuals. And by praising them, I just feel like I'm congratulating them for reaching the bar that every movie has set. Yeah, we don't have a scale that we're working with. I mean, if we established a benchmark, then suddenly we're tied down to, you know, once everybody can can meet the benchmark then we're just back to aimless praise is that even like worthy of mention anymore then not so much in my opinion i think alita was definitely worthy of it but it's that's not something i'm gonna go out of my way to talk about in movies going forward unless it really wows me well i mean yeah i mean just so I guess a better question would be, did the effort they put into the visuals serve the story? Yes. Well, good. So the beginning of the movie is kind of slow, but once you get to the Cave of Wonder, I I would say everything after that point is pretty great. It has a really good flow to it after that point. Great costumes all around, really colorful. You can tell that they put a lot of work into making those. Which goes back to what I said earlier. If somebody can recreate those by hand for a Comic-Con, they're going to win whatever contest they enter into. It sounds like a plan. I didn't really care so much for the actors who played Aladdin or Jafar. And if I'm being really honest, they could have switched their roles halfway through the movie, and I don't think it would have mattered. <laughs> what didn't you like about him? Aladdin is just, he's really plain, with a couple of exceptions that I'll get into for spoilers, but he's just really plain. And the guy who plays Jafar, he just doesn't, again, he doesn't look like the character. 
at all. He's he's not menacing. Alan Tudyk voicing Iago is creepier than Jafar. <laughs> really? Yes. So I, I guess I know kind of why they picked the guy they did for Aladdin and for Jasmine. They picked them for their singing talents. Because obviously this is a musical. And, you know, choosing to go in that direction for, for the live action as well, you need somebody who can sing probably more than anything else. And also you don't want their singing voice to sound too different from their speaking role. That's right. Yeah, you don't necessarily want to hire two different people for it either, I guess. But the guy who plays Jafar doesn't sing at all in this movie, so it just kind of boggles my mind why they picked him. I, d I don't think he was a good choice. Well, that's unfortunate. Hmm. So there were a couple of good scenes for the guy playing Aladdin. The scene where he first meets the Sultan, I was dying in the theater laughing so hard. Like, it's something that's not in the animated in the animated movie. They came up with it for this movie. And the whole comedy bit to it, it I, <laughs> I could not stop laughing. I was in tears. And uh, a little bit later, there's a dance scene. The, the dude can dance. I'll give him that. Him's a triple threat. You know, I'll, I'll give him credit for that. There's also uh, another character in this movie um, that's new. Princess Jasmine has a handmaiden. And this woman stole the show in every single scene that she was in. She had me cracking up. He, I looked her up on IMDb. Apparently she used to be on Saturday Night Live in the years that I quit watching. But um, she's got the comedic timing down. And she was able to do a whole lot by doing very little. She's probably my favorite nice. character in the whole High praise. What well, says she was in, she said she had a role in New Girl, which... I've, I've not seen that. It's actually not a bad series. So, she's also in People of Earth. No, she had a role in an uh, episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, too. I don't really care for that. We'll have to disagree. I, I like that show. The parts of it that I've seen are good, like the one where um, they're investigating the case of the guy who wrote basically a Lord of the Rings-style novel. That was a really good one. I like most things with Terry Crews in it. That's the only part of the show I like that I've seen so far. Terry Crews is a treasure, but other than that, like the rest of the show just bogs him down. It's kind of a miss for you? Yes. Back to Aladdin. Yeah, going back to the to the songs real quick. A Whole New World, I think that was every bit as good as the original, in my opinion. And, oh yeah, I actually liked Will Smith's version of Ain't Never Had a Friend Like Me. You know, again, you can't compare to Robin Williams, but that was pretty good. That's actually what sold me on going to see the movie, is just little snippets of that. I guess the addition of Will Smith actually performing that, you know, getting to see essentially a live actor performing that would put that over for me. Yeah, that would be pretty darn cool now that I think about it. I'll have to go check it out. The Prince Ali song is one that I, I hear people complaining about. I don't know if you've seen this online, but they're complaining that the pace is too slow. The original was a little fast. I say that because it's so fast in the original that it's sometimes hard to understand the lyrics. So slowing it down. Well, there's that, and you don't have to time choreography to um, that tempo in the animated one. You can, just, you can draw them at whatever pace you want. Right. But you have a whole cast of people that are having to do choreography to this as well. Not to mention that, you know, maybe Will Smith maybe can't sing at that pace. Yeah. You know, you don't know. I could take it either way. Yeah, there, there's also that. There's a lot to consider there, and I don't have the musical training to explain all of it, but it's the same problem that bands that play really fast music have when they do a song on the album versus live. 
yeah on the album they got multiple takes they got to cut together the best takes they got had air conditioning um they had uh they had all of that and then live it's at the end of a three-hour set their voices are blown out their hands are hurting it's time to go to the bathroom you know best example i would give to people is go listen to something like well from my music catalog i would say go listen to something off of an iced earth album and then go listen to the live version it is still going to impress you but some of that tempo is just not there because it's just not possible to do that that quickly at the end of the night i guess the one other bad thing i can say about this movie is that the ending is a little anticlimactic and they added something that i don't feel really goes with the story so i i guess we'll make this the spoiler section so several times throughout the movie jasmine insists that she wants to be sultan and succeed her father instead of marrying someone and by the end of the movie she just kind of gets her wish and she gets to be sultan for no reason I don't like that because it's not in the spirit of the animated version. It's not in the spirit of the uh, original book version either. And going by the time period and location, it's not in the spirit of the culture either. So what you're saying is there should have been more plot to back that up? Yes. Like we said, it's an after-the-fact detail. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was necessarily that much of an after-the-fact detail. I just don't think they, they did enough to justify it. Well, I mean, did she... Is it literally a wish that she got? No, it's not a wish. It's just her dad saying, okay, you can be Sultan now. Huh. Which, that would never happen in that culture, in that time period. I mean, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to draw on. Like, in the original, it's like, he's a doting parent, but he's not going to be the one teaching her statecraft and how to rule. It's a nice gesture. I get that like they're trying to, you know, make a good message out of it, but I feel like it's, I feel like it's forced rather than making it a fluid thing. They kind of forced it in. I could see how you could work it in. You would have to change a few parts though. It would have to be instead of Aladdin, uh, winning the day because of his good heart, they would need to pick up a plot thread to me to earn that that ending to where Jasmine like basically helped defeat Jafar by being just as cunning as he is. We got what we got. I don't write professionally. So later this year, we've got The Lion King. I'm, I'm not really looking forward to it. I'm not, I care not in the least about that, especially from the uh, previews that I've seen I, so far. I think far. They, they went for too much of a live-action CG look, and it, it turned me Yeah, off. it looks really off You're not going to get as me. much emotion out of the characters doing that. Okay. Uh, so, after that, we got Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, also this year. And uh, A Lady in the Tramp. But that's going to be on Disney Plus. Live action Lady and the Tramp. I'm interested in the same way that I am interested in a train wreck. <laughs> in other words, you're going to stare at it and not be able to look away. <laughs> you're going to pack in there with everybody else and get as close as you can. I am going to look. No, I'm going to. I'm going to look at it once, and if I don't like what I've what I see, I'm going to try and get away as fast as possible. But I've got to take that one look. Just just sear it right into my brain. Next year, we've got Mulan, and uh, oh. I'm definitely going to go see that for reasons. <laughs> well, let's just say, let's just say that uh, Mulan is one of your favorite out of the animated canon. Yeah. 
uh-huh. and you formed a lifelong attachment to the voice actress. Yeah. Yeah. And then also that same year we have Cruella. Going by the name, I'm guessing it's going to be like Maleficent with the same type of spin from her perspective. That <laughs> well, as long as they don't go with the 102 Dalmatians. <laughs> That's right. They're going to they're gonna give all of her money to the dogs. The the <laughs> That's the redemption story. Hey, they're making that. Hey, they're making that Avengers money. They they can afford it. <laughs> I want Cruella to be cast as like a Disney executive, and that's where her wealth comes from. <laughs> and to be dated, we got Sword in the Stone, which I, I'm actually very interested to see how that would that, that would be that would be a good one to adapt. That would be a that really be good, a good one, one to too. adapt. I am going to see that one when it comes out. I'm saying it now. There's Pinocchio, Hunchback of Notre Dame. That Pinocchio, to me, there's really no point. Yeah. Lilo and Stitch for some reason. I was wondering if they were... That's interesting. I mean... That seems like it would be tough to pull off. It is, but, I mean, that that could be... That could be a pretty good one because that, I don't know, that movie didn't quite get the chance that it it needed. It fell kind of in that time period where they weren't, where maybe they, they weren't marketing those movies the way they did in the, in the Renaissance quote unquote era. Uh, is that, is that all that's on the docket? The last one on the docket that I see is The Little Mermaid. They're going to have to get Ooh, a really good actress for yeah. that. Yeah. That's another favorite of mine. We'll see. Makes me wonder what they're going to do for Ursula. Yeah, it's going to be a weird one. It's going to be CG all the way, baby. We're going to have uh, Emma Thompson. Or maybe we'll have... Uh, um, Can't remember. We can't remember anybody's name tonight. Helen Mirren. Maybe they'll get Helen Mirren in the facial capture thing. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Kate Blanchett is an obvious choice, but I mean, why not? She already played one villain made of almost totally CG in Thor. Um, here's one for you. They get Zoe Saldana to play Ursula. Ooh. That'd be good. She can make so many faces. And that's really what you want with Ursula. You want someone to make faces. Definitely. We should end it. We should say goodnight. Good night. <laughs> good night. Say good night, Gracie. Good night, Gracie. Good night, Gracie. Uh, well, thank you for listening. If you'd like to message us with any comments or suggestions, you can email us at flickbeans at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you.